0: And welcome to the Scale of Wisdom podcast, brought to you by the Batul Foundation. In this episode, we are going to speak about Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq alayhi salam. And one of the most well-known things about the life of Imam al-Sadiq salam is the richness of the intellectual life that he encouraged amongst the Shia and it is for this reason that most of the ahadith that we have especially concerning fiqhi topics are narrated from Imam al Sadiq and for that reason the Shia are sometimes called the Ja'fariyyah because it is really with the ahadith from Imam al-Baqir and Imam al Sadiq that the madhab of the Shia had a framework for practical laws One of the key actions of Imam Sadiq was his encouragement of the Ash'ari clan of Shi'is who established themselves in Qum after fleeing from Kufa to become a family of ulama and it is through this family that Qum became a place in which the Ahadith of Ahlul Bayt were collected and preserved and it is partly due to the political situation at the time of Imam Sadiq that he was able to narrate a lot more hadith than the previous Imams because it is during the life of Imam Sadiq that the Umayyad government collapsed and the Abbasid government rose to power Before that, during the time of Imam al-Baqir, the Umayyad government was actually in its strongest phase So. The success of Imam al-Baqir in disseminating hadith was largely due to the background work that Imam Zain al-Abidin had done in making Medina a stronghold for the Shia. An important point to note is the position that Imam al-Sadiq took in relation to the Abbasid uprising Because before the uprising took place, the Abbasids, the Hassanids and Imam al-Sadiq were together in a meeting where they spoke of uprise uprising And Imam al-Sadiq refrained from any kind of uprising And he also prophesied exactly what would happen in the uprising and how the Abbasids would turn on the Hassanids and how they would kill them. In fact, at this time, the Imams had already begun a different type of political positioning and activism. From the time of Imam Al-Baqir, the Imams had initiated a secret organization of the Shia. And this organization was so secretive and so well protected that the caliphs on a number of occasions tried their best to uncover who was part of this organization It was an organization that eventually penetrated all the levels of the Abbasid government and it was through this silent resistance that the imams were able to fulfill their aims of spreading the knowledge of Ahlul Bayt and also resisting the oppression of the unjust governments in the section about Imam al-Sadiq in Mizan al-Hikmah, there are a couple of subsections. The first subsection talks about the proof of his imamah and the second one talks about his character. The first tradition in the proofs of his imamah is from Bihar al-Anwar, from Hammam bin Nafi' that he narrated that one day Imam al-Baqir alayhi salam said to his companions, When you lose me, follow this man. He is the leader and my successor. He then pointed to Abi Abdullah al-Sadiq salam. So here we find a direct appointment of Imam Sadiq from Imam al-Baqir in front of a number of companions. So there was no room for them to doubt in who the next Imam was. In the next tradition Muhammad ibn Muslim narrated, I was in the presence of Abu Ja'far Muhammad ibn Ali al-Baqir when his son Ja'far entered. He had a forelock on his head and a stick in his hand, which he was playing with. Al-Baqir took him in his arms and hugged him tightly, then said, May my parents be your ransom. You are neither distracted nor do you play. He then addressed me and said, O Muhammad, this is your imam after me, so follow him and benefit from his knowledge. By Allah, verily he is the truthful one, a sadiq whom the Prophet sallam described to us. Certainly his followers will be victorious in the world and in the hereafter. So here again is another direct appointment, this time in the presence of Muhammad ibn Muslim who was one of the companions of Imam al-Baqir and the important thing here is that Imam al-Baqir shows Muhammad ibn Muslim that this is in fact the appointment which was initiated by the Holy Prophet As we've discussed before It is the Holy Prophet who named all of his successors not necessarily to the whole community but it was well known within the house of Ahlul Bayt who also knew their epithets. Another interesting thing here is that Muhammad ibn Muslim when he sees Imam al-Sadiq with a stick he thinks that he's playing with it because when you see a child holding something they're usually playing with that thing especially something like a stick. But Imam al-Baqir when he hugs Imam al-Sadiq He explains to Muhammad ibn Muslim that while it might appear on the surface that Imam Sadiq is playing with the stick, because he is going to be an imam, the traits that he needs are such that he is not distracted, nor does he play. So the appearance might be one way, but the reality of an imam is quite different. And so it's important not to judge the acts of the imam just on the surface, but to understand that there is much more going on on a deeper level. The next subsection talks about his noble character traits. In the first tradition, Muhammad ibn Ziyad al-Azdi says that he heard Malik ibn Anas, the jurist of Medina, say, I used to go to visit Ja'far ibn Muhammad al-Sadiq alayhi salam, and he would place a cushion for me, respect me and say, Malik, indeed I like you. I would be pleased with his comment and would praise Allah for it. Malik continued, He was a man always disposed to one of three states either he was fasting or praying or engaged in allah's remembrance he was among the greatest worshippers the greatest of the abstemious people who feared allah he narrated many prophetic traditions was sociable and friendly to sit with and had much for us to benefit from so while malik ibn anas was a jurist who didn't accept the imama of imam sadiq alayhis salam that didn't prevent imam sadiq alayhis salam from treating him in this beautiful manner and Malik himself testified to the great worship of the Imam. In the next tradition, Hisham bin Salim narrated, When it was dark and part of the night had passed, Abu Abdullah salam would take a sack of bread, meat and money and carry it on his back to the needy of Medina. He would distribute it amongst them whilst they did not even recognize him. When Abu Abdullah salam passed away, they missed the aid and realized that it had in fact been Abu Abdullah. And of course we have similar traditions like we've discussed before about all the imams that this was one of the acts that they did and the sack that they carried was so heavy that it would leave a mark on their back that would also be seen after they had passed away. But this is one of the outstanding traits that is narrated from each and every imam. In the next tradition, Mu'allah bin Khunays narrated that Abu Abdullah went out on a drizzly night headed towards the refuge of Bani Sa'dah which was a place that they were living. So I followed him, when suddenly something fell from him. He said, In the name of Allah, O Allah, return it back to us. I continued, I came to him and greeted him and he asked, Are you Mu'alla? I said, Yes, may I be your ransom? He said, Search around with your hands, if you find anything, give it to me. I found pieces of bread, so I extended my hands to give them to him. I was amazed to see a sack of bread on his back. I asked, May I be your ransom? Allow me to carry it for you. He said, no, I deserve the load more than you, but come with me. He said, we came to the refuge of Bani Sa'idah, where we came across a people who were asleep. He placed one or two loaves of bread under the garment of each and every person until he had come to the last person. We then left. I said, may I be a ransom? Do these people acknowledge the truth of leadership? Meaning that, do they acknowledge that Imam Sadiq is the Imam? He said, if they did, we would have given them flour as well. So in this tradition we have a deeper insight into the way that the imams would distribute the charity and they would distribute charity to those that acknowledged their imama and those people that didn't acknowledge their imama. Of course there is a difference between the two groups because those that acknowledge the imama deserve more because of that acknowledgement So the imam would have also given them flour as well so that they could cook their own bread but not acknowledging the Imam's imamah didn't prevent him from providing for the people that were in need And he provided it to them while they were sleeping They didn't acknowledge it was him and they didn't acknowledge his imamah An interesting point here is that the imam allowed Mu'alla to come with him on this very secretive trip And Mu'allah was a very important companion who was most certainly part of the secret organization of the imams in the last tradition, Abu Amr al-Shaybani narrated, I saw Abu Abdullah Salam with a spade in his hand and wearing thick clothes, working in his yard with sweat dripping from his back. I stepped forward and said, May I be your ransom? Allow me to work in your place. He replied, Verily, I love for a man to bear the sun's heat in the quest for a living. So as we see from this hadith and the hadith before, the imams valued hard work and they didn't excuse themselves from hard work due to their position. They worked hard for their livelihood and they worked hard to change the circumstances of deprived people and they worked hard to spread the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inshallah, the next episode will be about Imam Al-Kadhim alayhi salam وصلى الله